Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. It is great to be with you today. Yesterday, I was going to do a podcast analysis on the debates, but it wouldn't let me upload two of them on the same day. So I think by now you you kind of get it. You don't really need me to give you my big analysis. Other than I will say that I agree with Pastor Langford. I believe that God could be using Donald Trump as a sort of a Cyrus. 11 years ago, he said this. You know what? It's embarrassing comments that every single male out there has either thought that or said it. Let's not go there, Hillary, shall we? With slick Billy Clinton, the super predator. Mr. Carding off to the Caribbean with his pal Jeffrey Epstein, Mr. Skull and Bones, 33rd degree Freemason. Yeah, let's not go there. Because you know what, folks? Hillary Clinton is hardly the feminist champion her lefty supporters want her so badly to be. She's a nefarious, malevolently corrupt, and viscerally unlikable deceiver. That's what she is. She's a deceiver whose greatest accomplishment in life was marrying a, what, serial rapist? I think we can all agree. Trump mopped the floor with her. He forced her to bumble and stumble and give embarrassingly insufficient answers on everything, literally, that he called her out on. And he called her out on a lot. I was very pleasantly surprised. And even her emails and her treatment of her husband's assault victims, it was just casually dismissed with her patented evil cackle. And the only memorable whole Hillary moment to me was when the fly landed on her face. Maybe that's the same fly that attacked Obama. Strangely foretelling, isn't it? But the night wouldn't have been the same night without my favorite comeback of Donald Trump's. I think it's my favorite mic drop of the year, and it is. Let's listen to that clip. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton... Best mic drop of 2016. (laughs) You gotta love that comment. Anyway, switching gears, I want to introduce you to my guest today. This is a very important third part of a three-part series entitled Soul Damage. My guest is none other than Minister John Terrell from California, the head of European American Evangelistic Crusades, EAEC.org. That's E-A-E-C dot org. It is John Terrell. John, I'm just going to let you take the mic and do this important teaching. Thank you for coming on this show. Take it away, sir. Thank you very much. What I want to do as I start this um, teaching here today is to go back and just lay a foundation so that you know 
who you are, because if we do not know who we are, then we are not able to function properly. Now, I did an article called Soul Damage that is on our website, eauc.org, and I'm going to be working on that today, plus out of my book, Christian Dynamics, course number one. Now, when a person is conceived, now, the term that people have is, you know, when uh, you are conceived, they are talking about the body. And so there's actually two components that happens to come together at conception. So your dad furnished you with the blood, that's in the sperm. Your mom furnished you with flesh and bones, and that constitute a physical body, which is which has a DNA, and of course that is your family or bloodline. But it's a second component that also is taking place at conception, and that is that God is inserting or merging a soul and a dead spirit. So you and I, we have a body, a soul, and a dead spirit. That's how we are born. And the reason we got a dead spirit is because of the Adamic sin. And at the moment when you accept Christ, when you're born again, then the dead spirit is born again and becomes alive. And it is with a spirit that we communicate with God. The soul does not have that capacity to communicate with God. The soul basically can ask for forgiveness with our soul. We repent of our sins, but the soul does not communicate with the Father. Let me explain this way. You buy a radio and it will come in two parts. You have an FM part, you have an AM part. And uh, AM stations, you pick up on this component in your radio that is set for AM. An AM component cannot pick up an FM station. An FM station component cannot pick up an AM station. So we have two different components in one radio. And that is how the soul actually is made. Now, the soul is created just like with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created adults. They were not created as children. They were adults. And the soul that is created by God is an adult soul. And it can hear, it, can, it has a body, it can see and so on in the spiritual world. So the soul then, but the soul has no memory. When God creates a soul, he doesn't load it down with the history of your family, with the nation you're born in and so on and other things. It is blank. So your soul does not have an identity. Now, what God has put into the soul, and this is part of our makeup, is that he has put in programs of trust. A baby is very trusting. He's built in love. We are naturally lovers. We receive love. We respond to love. We give love. This is part of the program God has. And he's also put in a program of faith. And a child has faith. Uh, he's kind of distorted when we become adults because we have a lot of unbelief. You also have a language program that he's put into you. And then all your talents. Let's say, for example, you're going to become a skillful pianist or you're going to be 
a skillful pilot, could be able to fly airplanes or uh, paint pictures, oil paintings, um, teach, engineering, whatever it is, your skills are in your soul at conception. So when God made the soul, he put in all these things into the soul. And then you also have a right and wrong concept. So the soul knows this is right, this is wrong. And this is called, you know, that we have a conscience that we simply, nah, this is not right, you know, that's built into us. Now, I want you to understand now, so that's what the soul has. So the soul now suddenly is alive, connected now with a new body, one cell to begin with. And the soul is now sitting inside the mother's womb and simply saying, okay, I am alive. I am a being. Who am I? Where did it come from? Where am I going? And the soul has absolutely no answers. As the cells now begin to divide and develop a physical body for the soul, we now have a period of nine months in the mother's womb. These are very critical. It's a critical time because the soul now, having no identity, you sits there and says, okay, uh, I guess I'm safe, but I, I don't know. So if the mother is calm, she's collected, then the soul will be assured that wherever I am, in the position I'm at, I'm safe. If the mother is not together, let's say she smokes or drinks or she runs around and she's angry, her husband fights and so on, that's going to make the soul very, very insecure. And if there are strong traumas, it might be a fight between the husband and the wife, and he begins to hit her or or do things that is very frightening to her, but she begins to scream and, and just uh, fear is rushing up and down her body. That fear is going to transfer to that soul. And when that soul is then traumatized, immediately an arrested development spirit will move in and lock that soul down prior to being born in the flesh. We can also have arrested development spirits come in later after the age of one, two, three, four, five, and so on. And so a lot of people have an arrested development spirit. Um, as an adult, uh, you are facing a problem. So instead of making an adult decision where you simply look at all the things around you, you become emotionally unstable and revert back to the time of, of a child. And so that's an arrested development spirit. Now, as the soul now in, in the physical body, as a baby now is born out of the mother's womb, um, it is now in an environment that it has no knowledge of. And like I said, this is very important to understand that. You have no identity when you come out of your mother's womb. You don't know what ethnic group you are. You do not know a history of the family. You don't know the history of the nation. You don't know anything except you know this, that you got to eat. This is built in naturally. 
and you have to eliminate your waste and so on. That's automatic, and the heart is automatic, and so on. The soul then is begin to say, okay, I got to study. I am now infused into a world that I am not familiar with. And so you have a learning process. And so it's important to understand that when you make a decision, whatever it is, you're going to pick up a glass of water, cook dinner, you're going to go out and do something. Every decision is made by your soul brain comparing data that he or she has accumulated over the years. That's how you make our decisions. If you would bring in a person from the Amazon jungle, let's say, for example, we just put them in and we give them $500 in cash, whatever currency you, country you're living in, and we place them in a city and simply says, okay, we want you to live here for, for time being and uh, take care of yourself. Now, that person from the Amazon jungle uh, has no knowledge. He's never seen a street. He's never seen buildings per se. He doesn't know anything about it. Uh, he looks in his pocket. He see this uh, currency there. This is paper to him. And he says, well, you know, uh, this is useless. I don't know what to do with this. He just throws it away. He doesn't know that that is a currency. You can buy things with it. He might be standing outside a restaurant or a grocery store. He's very hungry. And he says, you know, there's no food here. I cannot see any plants or nothing growing here. So he is unable to function because his data is not there. He has no knowledge. So his decisions simply are not good because he doesn't know who he is, where he is at, and what to do. And this is what happened to many of us as we grow up, that we have the wrong information, the wrong data is put in your soul. So it has been said you are what you eat, but actually Jesus said that what comes out of the soul defiles a man. So it is very important that as you think about yourself right now, that the data, the information that you have in your soul will determine the decisions you make. Now, if you are born in Greenland, you're going to love the fat, the blob from seals. I mean, you're going to love and say, this is the greatest food on earth. Now, you give seal blob of fat to a person born in some other place, and they're going to throw up. I mean, they can't handle that. Now, if you were born in Vietnam, you're going to say, you know, the greatest food I can eat is, is a dog. I mean, you know, a barbecue dog is just delicious. If you live in America and you see barbecue dog, you're going to vomit. This is, you know, I can't eat that. So all our habits, everything is based upon data information and experience where we are coming from when we are born. So that is how the soul works. The soul is very easy bruised. It doesn't take much to bruise a soul. And this is where we have the spirit of offense. Now, the spirit of offense is a group of demons that knows this, and they take advantage of it. So when someone is bruised, the spirit of offense moves in and simply amplifies it, and you have a very strong reaction, 
And many times friendships are broken because someone got offended. Actually, it was a soul damage that needs to be healed. So just just a little bit background here, how a soul works. So when you're listening to me today, remember this now that your soul brain is going to run 100 miles an hour trying to find out if this is true or not. And you're going to be uncomfortable because you have no data to compare it with. So as a teacher now, uh, I'm going to give information later on what you got to do. You've got to go to the Bible. You've got to think about it and examine for yourself, is it true or not? And simply let life experience show you that what I'm telling you is truth. Now, I'm going to be moving to a different subject here, and this is about disassociative identity disorder. Uh, this is for my article, uh, Soul Damage, but I want to talk about this because this is very important. And let me say this right off the bat. There are many deliverance ministries in the world. Some are good and some are not so good. And here again, your data information will determine if you will go be, be deceived or not be deceived. Now, but some deliverance ministries are using objects. And they simply, particularly the Roman Catholic Church, they're using objects that they think have powerful properties so they can use that to drive out demons. Particularly, they like to use cross, crosses. They have holy water. They have uh, stuff from the Catholic Church that say, you know, this works. In the Bible, in the New Testament, we have only one thing that was used by the Apostle Paul and others, and that was a prayer cloth. A prayer cloth in itself does not have any power. I have used that on occasions. But what they did was that they simply took a piece, it could be a, a handkerchief, it could be a, a piece of clothing, and you pray over that and pray that the anointing, when it laid upon the person that is sick, whatever, that the anointing will be there and the person will get healed. Now, using a prayer cloth, it is not the, the cloth that has power, it's a prayer. The prayer in Jesus. It's simply a transfer here. So we have that. But there's no place in the Bible where it says that if you make an image of a cross, you wave that in front of a person, you're going to cast out demons, and the demons are going to freak out and just run in a thousand different directions. That's not true. Now, there's a ministry, there's probably more, but it's one ministry I've run across that I, I was simply appalled when I went across this just about a week ago. This particular person has been around for a long time. I met him back in 1975 when we, here in Sacramento. We were, had a time together. We were talking about a, doing a revival. And he has on his website metal crosses. They're about maybe 12 inches tall. And the, the advertisement says this. These crosses have been prayed over personally by this evangelist. And he has transferred power to them. Now, they are $100 piece. You buy this cross for $100. It'll be sent to you, and it guaranteed that anytime you want to cast out demons and you wave that in front of a demon-possessed person, that those demons are going to flee, that there's such a power in that cross. That is called charismatic witchcraft. 
because there is no power in anything except in the name of Jesus. So I just want to caution you <clears throat> that you don't go down on that road. Let's talk about disassociative identity disorder. There's a teaching circulating among the delivered ministries which state that when a person experiences a devastating trauma, the soul mind cannot cope with it, and part of the soul mind separates itself from the soul mind and creates a new mini-soul, also called an altar. The medical community calls it disassociative identity disorder. The premise is that the original soul mind supposedly does not have access to the split fragment, and thus the trauma is hidden, and the person has no more recollection of it. An arrested development spirit will do this, but most people don't know about an arrested development spirit. The teaching claims that if a person has numerous traumas, there will be a split each time, and this is how multiple personalities are created. This is a school of thought is promulgated by Reverend Bob Larson and is making inroads with more and more deliverance ministers. Larson believes that the soul can be fragmented and controlled by evil spirits due to mind control and satanic ritual abuse. However, he also believes there are some cases where no demons are involved that is simply a wounded soul fragment crying out for help. I do not believe there's anything such as a soul fragmentation or alters. God created Adam as a triune being with a physical body, a soul, and a spirit. The soul and the spirit does not have two distinctive personalities. As a Christian, I have a soul that has been given a spiritual component in the form of a born-again spirit, which makes it possible for me to communicate with God in spirit and in truth. And you find in John 4:24. The soul consists of a spiritual brain and a body that is just as tangible as a physical body, but invisible to the human eye. At the death of a believer in Christ, the soul spirit is taken to heaven. The soul is a real person in heaven. He is not encumbered by a physical body anymore. This newly freed soul can walk, talk, see, think, and still retain the memories and skills learned on earth. And you find this in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. So it is important to understand your physical brain has no entity. It is just a computer. Everything that you are is in your soul brain and your soul body. When your physical body dies, your brain, your physical brain goes into the grave. And it decays if you're uh, cremated, it's burned up. Now, if you existed in the physical brain, you will cease to exist at the time of death of the body. So it is important to understand that the intelligence, the IQ, is not in the physical brain. It's in the soul brain. It was interesting when Einstein, Albert Einstein, had died that they wanted to find out, you know, how big his brain was. So they did an autopsy on him, and they found out that he had a smaller brain than the average person. So just because you have a huge physical brain does not mean that you're more intelligent. It might mean that you have a better capacity on this earth for your soul brain to work through. But your intelligence, your emotions, you, you are in the soul. God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and he alone can 
do thankful he can be in, in several places at one time. The God, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Human beings and angels, where the Holy and Holy can only be in one place at one time and do not have the capacity to split into separate parts. So if I'm here today recording this message, I cannot be in the house and vacuuming, or I cannot be at the breakfast table and have breakfast. You and I can only be in one place at one time, and we can only do one thing at a time. There's some people who say they're multitasking, but then when you do that, you're not really, really that good. You've got to concentrate on one thing if you're going to do that good. The soul is created with a single mind and does not have the capacity to split itself into multiple parts. Even if it were possible, each part would not have the ability to reason, make decisions, and operate as a separate entity or fragment. The soul is eternal, but it can still suffer damage. This creates hidden information that is stored in the subconscious mind of the soul brain, causing severe damage to the soul as well as a physical body. Now, if your soul is disturbed, it will create negative energy that would either it can increase your blood pressure, uh, it can create stomach disorders where you got too much acid, too little acid, it will affect the endocrine system. So when we need a healing, we need to look at the soul first. If you look at the body, we're looking at the symptom, but every sickness has a root problem in the soul. This damage can cause the soul mind to deviate from normal behavior and result in a person acting abnormal. The subconscious mind of the soul can be fractured and it stores different traumas and closes those memories off from the conscious part of the soul mind. Nevertheless, God has built in a protection system for the soul. So when a person is exposed to great trauma, the soul mind would send the memory and the trauma into the subconscious mind and block it from surfacing. The example someone involved in a car accident may remember events prior to the collision, but the crash itself become blocked and the person will remember nothing. And that's true. You have a person having an automobile accident or a trauma, uh, they remember everything after that point, and then they are blank. Difficult for the soul to deal with. It's so painful that it simply blocks it out. Some psychiatrists unknowingly use demonic powers to access the blocked memories through hypnosis. This is the spiritual violation of the soul, effectively bypassing the soul mind. And when a person is taken out of the hypnotic state, they will have no memory whatsoever of what just took place. The teaching that the soul brain is fractured into entities called altars through traumas and mind control is unbiblical. These altars supposedly have their own personality, the power to reason, make decisions, and become independent from the original soul brain. God did not create the soul with the ability to split itself into independent parts. Because if a soul could be split endlessly, which altar would Jesus save? Ask yourself this, if I'm... Soul is split, okay, which part is Jesus saved, which part is not saving? Now, according to Bob Larson, there is a limp litmus test that can be conducted during deliverance on people with altars. Supposedly, all you have to do is to ask the altar if they love Jesus. If the altar responds affirmatively, that is sufficient proof it is not a demon. The part of the soul has split itself into its own entity. 
Lonson does this because he wants to identify the soul damage which caused the altar to be created, heal the damage, and merge the altar back into the original soul. However, this directly contradicts the Bible, which states that man has a sinful nature and will not in himself seek God. If the original soul is sinful, how can a split part of a soul be good and love Jesus? And we have in Romans 3.10 here, as is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands, there is none that seeks after God. So, I want to share this with you because some people are getting involved in this and you try to get help. Now, you can have split personality, but a split personality, here's what a split personality is. These are different evil spirits that have been placed in you. They can be placed in you by ritual satanic abuse. They can be through mind control that the government does. So what happens is that you have, you traumatize a person, a demon comes in, and you can program that demon. And, and what you're doing now is that the soul now is being programmed. Information is given to the soul. And then the soul will use that information to make decisions. Now, let's talk about trigger words. This has happened, and this is common. So in the satanic ritual abuse, you have, let's say, 10 children. And uh, these children then, they, they might be from 7, 8, or 9 years old. They are brought into a special room. The children are told, okay, we're going to pick one person out. So one child is picked out. And the other children are told, now, nah, you are going to kill that, that boy or that girl. And they're given knives, and they're told, can I hack them to death? Well, if they don't do it, they are told, you're going to be hacked to death. So out of fear, these children now attack this child, of course, but would scream tremendously before they die. And so this is creating a trauma in the child that is doing the hacking to death that is killing them. And as he is traumatized, he is not told information. He's told about this and this and this and that. This information is not inserted into him. Because the trauma is very traumatic, his soul will simply block that out and put in a memory that is hidden. So they put a trigger word. So you have a trigger word. It can also be triggered by smell. It can also be triggered by sight. So at the same time the trauma is taking place, they would either repeat the word or they would have a certain smell, they would have a certain sound, it could be a song, and so on. And later when this is played, it activates the hidden memory and the person then goes into a rage or a killing mood, whatever they want them to do. Let me give you an example here quickly, an example. I had a lady that came to us, she was about maybe 40, 45 years old when she came to us a number of years ago. And uh, she said, Pastor, she said, you know, I'm really puzzled because every time I drive by a florist shop, I get violently sick. I get so sick, I, I begin to vomit. I have to go home. I'm wiped out for a couple of days. And she said, you know, I need to be prayed for that. So I said, okay, well, let's just sit down here and talk. And tell me your life story, because when people tell me their life story, it tells me where they're at. So she began to tell about her, you know, childhood, you know, and going to school and so on. And she got married. And when she said that um, 
was his wedding anniversary. I had cooked the favorite, my fa the favorite dinner of my husband. I had cleaned myself up with a nice dress and so on, and uh, put perfume on, you know, and lit candles, and we would have a nice evening. So he comes home from work, open up the door, come on in, and uh, has a big bouquet of flowers in his hand, presses them in on her, and as he gives her the flower, he says, I want a divorce. And she just stands with an open mouth. He then proceeds in the house and says, oh, you got my favorite dinner. Wonderful. He sits down and eats the dinner. She's standing there crying. And after he finished dinner, he goes into his room, uh, packs down his clothing and his suitcase, and then walks out and says, see you later. Of course, that was a divorce that took place after that. That created a trauma. Now, the trigger point in this were flowers. She got a beautiful bouquet of flowers and then told, I want a divorce. Anytime she went by a florist shop, that triggered the memory of that event. And she got violently sick. So she needed a healing from that. So in your life, as you're listening, it can be a smell, food, or fragrance, flowers, whatever. It can be a song. It can be a number of different things. Whatever took place when you were traumatized will bring up a trigger. And then you get depressed. You don't know, what, why do I get depressed? Why do I get so sad? Well, it's a soul damage that has been simply lifted up and you remember it. And that's what happened to you. Now, I want to talk about hidden soul damages and broken dreams. And in my next program, uh, I will be talking about how to get rid of soul damage, how to be healed, and how to do it. Now, there are things that you have done that da had damage to you. And the first one I'm going to talk about are shameful deeds. This is going to be done by others toward you, or you did it to someone else. You are ashamed, embarrassed, and afraid to talk about it. It's hidden deep in your soul. You might feel that the person who did it to you is dead. You don't want to speak of ill of the person and tarnish the legacy. Let's say, for example, that you were <clears throat> molested by a father, molested by a mother, sibling, relative, and it's a shameful act. And they told you, if you talk about it, I'm going to kill you. That's hidden in you. And if you have that, you need to deal with it. Let's say, for example, there's a lot of people, they, people don't want to talk about it, but look about bestiality. So let's say, for example, that you had in time past, you had sex with, a, with an animal, and this is something you are ashamed of, and you got saved. You don't do it anymore. But that shameful deed has not been dealt with. There's a program running in the background of your computer, and that's a soul damage that needs to be healed. Shattered promises. You were promised something, and then it was withheld from you. It could happen to you as a child or an adult. When it happened to you, it created a deep, dull pain in your soul that never goes away. Shattered promises. We all have them. Somebody promised something to you, particularly if you've been married and the person promised to love you until death do your part, 
and then the person divorces you, goes out and have sex with somebody else and breaks the vow. That's a shattered promise. And we says, well, deal with it, suck it up, you know, just move on. But what happened is that in your soul, unless you really dealt with that, prayed over that, asked God to root it out and to heal that, that's, that's a shattered thing. And divorce is actually worse than death. If you're married and somebody dies, uh, that's bad. But if you're married and somebody divorces you and they live on and do other things and you by yourself, that is a wound that is very hard to heal and to get over because you feel rejected. You feel you were not good enough. Something wrong with you. And that needs to be dealt with. Third, broken dreams. As a child, you had dreams that you want to be trained for a certain profession. A medical doctor, you want to be an engineer, a teacher, pilot, an attorney, a minister, and so on. Your dream was crushed, and the reason could have been lack of finances, not being able to get the grades in school needed for the profession, sickness, and so on. These are broken dreams. And ask yourself this, am I happy with what I'm doing today? Is this really what was my desire to be wherever I'm at today? Did I have a dream to be a medical doctor, to be a missionary, to be a pastor, to be a housewife, to be whatever you had a dream of? And it didn't materialize. So you learned, well, time goes on. I can't live really in my life. So you move on. But your soul is damaged. And you need to pray over that and simply say, Lord, I have to have a healing in this. I recognize I'm this age right now. I cannot go back to childhood. It's over. And ask God to do something great in what you are today. Another damage is our failures. This could be a failed education, a failed marriage, failure in a job, failure in loving others, failing your own expectation and so on. Uh, this is something that I had a really bad problem with, failing. I had a severe arrested development spirit. And basically, I was emotionally, I would say probably four years old. And I did not get this arrested development spirit kicked out until I was in my late 40s. And I had been a minister, Vandalist pastor, for some 20 years. And my emotional level was that of a four-year-old. And I do remember this when I went to ministers' convention, meetings, whatever it is, when I walked into a place. I walked in, and I felt horrible. I felt as a boy. I looked around at everybody else and said, you know, I don't fit in. I'm just a boy. And I was so insecure, and yet I was able to preach. I was able to cast out demons and a lot of things. But I was a cripple. Many nights, because of my arrested development spirit, I was not very good in school. Not that I was stupid, I just couldn't study. I mean, I would go to school, I would grasp the subject, but then when I was to study it, I just couldn't study it. I was just locked down. So I had bad grades in, in up to sixth grade, got into high school, flunked my first year in high school, had to take it over, had to go to another school. I mean, it was a struggle. Basically, I finally got out of high school 
and I had uh, three failed subjects. I wanted to go to college. I couldn't go to college because I, my grades were so low, and I got three Fs. So I remember I went to work in a, in a foundry, uh, very hard work. I worked there for about a year. And then God did something to me, So I, and I got into college. And then the same thing happened in college. First year, I understood everything, but I couldn't study, so I failed. I had to retake my first year, got into my second year, failed my second year. And um, I was told that they called me into the dean in this college and said, you know, uh, you're the most pathetic person we ever had here. We're going to bar you from life. You're not going to be an engineer. We're just going to bar you. You cannot go anyplace. And that's how I was sent home. My wife went in and talked to them. I was married at that time. And they said, well, we're sorry you're married to such a slob. You know, it's just nothing we can do for you. Well, my mother had access to, she worked in a, in, a, in a factory. She was a secretary. And her boss was a prominent engineer in Sweden. And she went to talk to him, and he had a friend that was actually the Minister of Education in Sweden. So because of my mother begged this man to help me out, they gave me an opportunity, and, and I was told this, okay, you have three subjects you fail in. If you go in the fall, and if you pass those tests, you have makeup tests, we will let you go. I said that summer, with an arrested woman spirit, and something hit me, and I studied stuff that I could not do in a regular time. And when I took the test, I aced them, A-A-A, and I got in, and I finished my last year in college. So I have failure. I mean, I dream at night. I used to dream I was back in the seminary. I failed there. I failed everywhere. It was not until I dealt with the arrested development spirit and I dealt my soul that yes, you have failed, but God has, he healed my soul. And today, I don't feel like a failure. But I tell you what, for 45 years, I had a horrible time with failure. Quickly, now a couple of more things. Here's another soul damage, lack of love. This is a big one, and I deal with that all the time. You feel that you don't get the love you needed from your parents. Very important. You feel that you have not got the love you needed from your spouse. That can be devastating, particularly if you're a woman and you really need to be assured that you're pretty. You need to be assured that you are loved. You need to be assured, you know, that you're worth something. And the husband simply treats you like a piece of furniture. You know, he furnishes, you know, you pay the rent, you know, you get the car, you get this and this and that. And he says, well, you know, do you love me? He says, well, can't you say I love you? Look what I'm doing for you. But he never tells you I love you. Never just get a hold of you and say, I just want to kiss you right now, just hug you. Let's go out and have dinner together because I love you. You are special to me. We need that. Men need that too. Next thing, you feel you have not been able to love others. Uh, I had a, a gentleman in our church. He was a great guy. Matter of fact, he was our pianist. And anyone needed help, he was always there. Would you want to help him? He said, no. He could not receive it. We tried to give him food, tried to give him money, tried to help him out, whatever. He said, I can't take that. He hated himself so badly. He could work with others, but when somebody tried to love him back, he couldn't take it. That's a bad soul damage.
Another one, you do not fail that you got the love you need from your children. This is common, you know, children are children, and they are busy, and uh, they don't understand that mom needs love, dad needs love. They say, hey, I need some money, give me the keys to the car, I'm going to go here, you know, and when you get older, they call you up, and you know that every time they call you, they want money. If they don't need anything, they don't call you. That's very damaging to the soul. Another one, you feel that God does not love you. That's a bad one. And I struggled with that. I felt that God tolerated me, but I didn't feel he loved me. I felt he tolerated me. If someone was there, but I had no value. I got a healing in that. Another one is, you don't feel love for God, but you love Jesus. If you have a bad physical dad on earth, it's hard for you to love Father God. You need healing. And then we got anger. Very quickly, I go through this list here. Uncontrollable rage, what caused it to flare up? Rage in the home, what's the trigger point? Rage in the marriage, what's the trigger point? Rage in workplaces, what is the trigger point? Anger toward God, what's the cause? Anger toward yourself, what's the cause? Now, this list called Hidden Soul Damages and Broken Dreams is what we use in deliverance here in our ministry. So this is about as far as I'm going to go today in my teaching. So if you are listening to just now, where can I get the material that you used here to talk to me about? Well, first of all, I have a book called Christian Dynamics, course number one. And uh, that's our main teaching tool we have. Because the Bible is the textbook. But then we have, I have this book here that explains things and refers back to the Bible. You find it on our website, eaec.org, Christian Dynamics, course number one. And uh, this is a, a book that I recommend. Now, if you buy the book, we're going to send you this write-up I did here on hidden soul damage and broken dreams. We're also going to send you a copy of Soul Damage. Now, Soul Damage, you can pick up for free on our website. We will send you a hard copy on that. And uh, there also I have a write-up on video games. Because that is something very, very important. Just this last week, was a young boy, 14 years old. He killed his father, shot him with a gun, took a rifle with him, went to school. One of the boys died six years old just a few days ago. And uh, it is no doubt in my mind that that boy, that 14-year-old, was playing violent video games. Video games, they traumatize your soul to the max. A lot of damage. So these are the things we pack in here when we send you the book, a Christian Dynamics Course Number One. But I'll be back and I'll be teaching next time on how to be healed from the soul damage. Today I identified it and we simply laid it out and said this is what it is. And next time I'm going to be talking about how we get healed from this. So back to you, Sheila. Excellent. Thank you so much, John, for that incredible teaching. These three teachings on soul damage, folks, if you haven't heard part one and part two, very important to go back in the archives and do listen to those. Because as John said, these three parts lay out what is soul damage. But when John joins us again, he's going to talk about how to get healed from soul damage. And I'd really highly recommend that you guys get the Christian Dynamics Workbook 1, That's linked there on today's bio, as well as I've linked in a table of contents. Do get that because that really ties into this teaching and how you can get free. And of course, as John said, you get the special trauma list, the soul damage list, and that 
article on video games that all parents should have. John, thank you for laying out this incredibly important teaching, and I'm very much looking forward to the show on how to get free from soul damage. John, thank you for your time and coming on the program, sir. Thank you very much, and God bless you for having me. Folks, that was John S. Terrell from California. His information, of course, is linked on today's bio, October 11, 2016. That's eaec.org. Again, get that Christian Dynamics One workbook. Very important. Tomorrow on the show, I have a very special guest. He is the granddaddy of street preachers. It is the one and only Reuben Israel joins us. He just got back from quite the deal in Atlanta. And the BBC has done a documentary on the hateful street preachers. He was featured in that actually quite an interesting compilation the BBC did. Good or bad for the street preachers of America? Well, we'll find out Reuben's thoughts on that. That's tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss that. And on Thursday, someone who it's been far too long since I had him on the show, we're going to get into some gooders. It is Dave Hodges from the Common Sense Show. We're going to break down a lot of goodies. So you're not going to want to miss any of the lineup this week. And then Friday, Patrick Wood weighs in on the green gospel because I see our pal Al Gore has thrown his support behind Hillary. Well, I wonder if since Al Gore created the Internet, he invented it, didn't he? Maybe he can help Hillary find those 33,000 emails. Hmm, probably not. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Good night and God bless you.